Hi, this is Caroline Page Gottschall, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams Podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in. I have another wonderful friend for you guys to meet. You're going to love her. I do. We just earlier kind of realized how long we've known each other, and it's mind-blowing, but I'm happy and blessed to have her in my life. And so I want to introduce you to introduce to you Caroline Page. She's from Massillon, Ohio, which is the birthplace of professional football, which I had no idea about. She attended Marymount Manhattan College as a theater major her freshman year, then transferred to Cal State in L.A. and made the move out west. Caroline acted in many productions throughout college before realizing law school is where she wanted to be. She studied abroad in London and took an international sports law class, which cemented her desire to practice sports law. And that, oddly enough, is actually where we met. After graduating from law school in California, Caroline moved to New York and took the New York State Bar Exam. She got a job as a legal assistant at CAA Sports for two years. From there, she landed her dream job at the NFL Players Association and is loving life in the nation's capital. So welcome, Caroline. Thank you. It's so great to be here. I am so thankful that you were able to find time out of your busy, busy schedule because, you know, this is the postseason. Super Bowl is around the corner, and I'm sure you're a busy little bee. Yes, we are gearing up for San Francisco. Lots and lots of contracts coming my way. Now, when we met, we met in London, and we were both in law school at the time doing a summer abroad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I read in the bio, law school wasn't your initial thought. I mean, it kind of came no. to you. Um, how did How did you get into acting for your freshman year? Did you just enjoy it and want to try it? So all growing up, I did um, theater, dance, musical theater. That was kind of my childhood. That's what I'd always wanted to do. That's what took me to New York. And then after my freshman year, I decided to make the you know move to LA and really get into the business. And did it for a little while. Did a little here and there. You know, some one-liners here and there. Some movies, some TV shows, and kind of unfortunately learned the CD part of the industry. And realized it wasn't all, you know, roses and champagne. There was a lot of drugs and shady people. And just the more and more deep I got into it, the more I started to realize it wasn't necessarily the the life I thought I would have. Mm -hmm. So when I was in high school, I did a um, mock trial for my English class. And we got to go to our county courthouse we got to be prosecutors, defense attorneys. We put on a you know a real case. The, the county judge was our judge. We had our parents as the jury. And I was the prosecutor, and I loved doing that. But I think part of why I loved doing it so much because it was essentially acting. I had my opening statement. I had my closing. We had our questions we'd prepared. So I always loved that. And so in the back of my mind, I always did enjoy 
the law and I kind of thought, you know, there could always be something I could go into if acting, you know, for whatever reason doesn't work out. And so then when I decided, you know, acting, I'd done what I wanted to and I wanted to kind of get out of that lifestyle, I kind of fell back on that and went to law school. And I think we all kind of enter law school with that dream of, you know, being the, you know, to kill a mockingbird and really having that amazing trial where you get to fight for the, you know, the good guy. And then you slowly learn when you're in law school that that's probably never going to happen because most cases settle. And I realized, okay, maybe that's not the kind of law I want to practice. And so then once we got to London, took the international sports law class and realized, hey, I love sports. This could be an easy way to, you know, combine both passions and then kind of made that my focus from there on. And so it was during law school that you kind of shifted gears, would you say? To yeah, I actually, yeah, when I started law school, you know, I took an entertainment class, entertainment law class, and, you know, our school is in L.A., so that was a big focus. But I started to realize that if that was the path I took, I'd kind of be representing the people that, you know, I was not necessarily enjoying working for when I was on the acting side of it. And so I didn't, you know, my point of going to law school was kind of get away from that industry. And so once in law school, taking the entertainment law classes, I realized, well, wait, this is kind of the same thing, just on the other side of it. And so then when I took the sports law class, I realized it's still the same type of law, you know, contract law and intellectual property, but in sports, not entertainment. So it was kind of a good segue for me. So you didn't necessarily, and and I don't think it, but you wouldn't say you wasted your time or anything. No, not at all. And I knew I did want to be a lawyer. I think that's something I always tell people that, you know, are thinking about law school and kind of, you know, deciding if that's something they want to do. I always say, only go to law school if you know you want to be a lawyer because it's entirely too much student debt to take on if it's just something that is something to do or you're not sure what you want to do. So I definitely knew going in, I did want to be a lawyer. And after acting and all of that, the only other job I could see myself doing was being a lawyer. I just didn't know at the time of entering what type of law that meant. And then slowly through my classes realized, you know, oh, I actually can enjoy this and found something I really liked. For those who don't know, when you go to law school, you have to take an exam, a bar exam. Um, so you can Correct. get a license essentially to practice in a state. Correct. And and I don't want to say normal people, but a majority <laughs> of people usually take the bar exam in the state they take. They're usually their home state or nine times out of ten, uh, you know, where they went to law school. Because this the, is true. <laughs> right? Because the law school teaches you the law of the state typically. And mm-hmm. so did, did your school do that? Um, yes and no. In my law school, you learned, you know, the core classes in your first year. And then there were still subjects on the bar that we didn't take in law school. And that was kind of something you'd have to do in your bar prep courses. So I knew going into bar prep, whether it was California or New York, I was still going to have to A, learn new subjects and B, relearn everything we learned in our first year. And just, I had been in LA for seven years and LA just is not a town for me. It's very crowded. There's many things, the traffic, just, you know, many factors that just for me personally, I wasn't a huge fan of LA. So I knew even in my last year of law school that I wanted to move back to New York because I always loved New York. I went there a lot as a kid being from Ohio. It was pretty close um, to drive. 
And then my first year of college was in New York, and I really missed New York. So I kind of made the decision that I would just move back to New York and study for the New York bar. So no, most people don't do that. I will agree there. But that was kind of the path that I knew I wanted to go back to New York. So that is what I did. And, and here's the thing. When you told us that decision, that you were leaving California to go for New York, one, we were very proud of you. One, because you're going after something you really were serious about. And we knew that you know, sports law was something you were into. So it made sense. But Mm -hmm. that is a scary decision for anyone who's been to law school. Mm -hmm. California is one of the hardest bar exams you could take. New York is up there just as high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only good thing was New York's only two days and California's three. (laughs) (laughs) So I was at least getting an easier bar in that respect. Right, but then... but still, yeah, still a beast for sure. And I actually went home to Ohio for the summer and studied for the bar in Ohio. So I wasn't actually in New York until after I took the bar in July. That's... So I was in a very small town in Ohio where it was very quiet. I had no car, so I had no nothing to do but but study while everyone was at work. So that helped. I, I think mean, a lot. It worked out really well because because you, you became a lawyer. Right. Right. Yeah. It it worked out. But you went to New York and did you have a backup plan or anything? Did you have some kind of safety net for yourself when you were out there? Funny enough, when I so I had taken out my last um semester of law school, I took out kind of the max student loans that we could take out for that final year to kind of because we had been told in our school at least that, you know, take out whatever you can in your last semester because you'll need that to kind of support yourself while you're studying for the bar and then while you're waiting your results. So I had that money as kind of a cushion. And then, you know, even though it was something that I didn't want to do with my life anymore, I actually did a lot of extra work when I lived in New York during that time frame of waiting for my bar results because I'd had so much experience in that and it's such easy money and you go and, you know, you stand in the background of a TV show or a movie for five or six hours and you get, you know, $150 a day. So I actually got by for that, you know, four or five months doing random extra work, which I know is ironic since that's what I wanted to get away from, but it actually was a skill that helped me while waiting for my results, all the while looking for a legal job as well. But as you know, that's, they're not, you know, a lot of jobs out there. Yes. So uh, for anyone who wants to be a lawyer, it's not an easy thing. Jobs Mm -hmm. are not as plentiful and easy to get as the movies or TV shows make you make it seem right. Uh, and especially not when we graduated. No. Yeah. We were kind of in that peak difficulty time uh, for, for mm-hmm. lawyers and law students, but you're, so you went, you, this is the thing though. And, and I can't emphasize this enough. You really did take a chance in going to New York. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause you oh, didn't yeah. have a, a steady job. Nope. And I didn't know anyone. All of the people I knew when I lived there as a freshman in college had all moved other places. So, you know, for a good four and a half, almost five months, I had no friends. I had my dog. We would go to the dog park every day. I'd do some extra work, watch a lot of movies, (laughs) go to Central Park. I mean, I was the epitome of a tourist basically for four and a half months until I finally got, you know, my legal assistant job. But I... For me personally, I'd rather be in New York without a job and no friends than back in L.A. with whatever job and my friends in L.A. because I just didn't like L.A. and I love New York. So it was a it was a fair trade off for me. 
And, and to be fun fair, hard. And, and to be fair, she's still friends with people in California, guys. She, she oh, doesn't yeah, hate yeah. California or anything. No, no, no. It's, and it's funny because I, I went to New York during college. Some of my sorority sisters and I, we took a vacation to New York. And they were all born and raised L.A. girls. And they hated New York. And so, you know, they love L.A. And I, it's just, I think, kind of your personality, where you grew up, who you are. Some people love a city. Some people hate it. And that just L.A. wasn't for me. I love my friends and I, I would never trade in my seven years there. But, you know, I'm I'm glad I left. Right. I mean, truly, everybody has to go through their own experience to f- figure things out. And, you know, mm-hmm. not every place city is for everyone. Right. Right. So and you don't know that until you try, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, you did the L.A. thing and you figured it out. I'm pretty sure that if you had never gone there, you would have always wondered Oh, 100%. And I actually had always thought I would wait till after college and move out there after school. But I'm so glad I moved out there when I did because I, you know, was living in a dorm. I had, you know, off houses, off campus housing after that. So I always had like somewhere to live and I wasn't that, you know, stereotypical starving artist that was working three waitress jobs and paying or, you know, trying to pay her rent. I actually had a steady life while also living there. So. Yeah, and I, I'm glad I went when I did. You had a steady life there. You have a life you're you're trying to make happen in New York. How did you find your job? So this is what's so funny. And people always, you know, ask me, well, how did you get your job at CAA? And like I said, I had been doing extra work just as kind of a way to keep it, you know, money and keep paying bills. And on Craigslist is where I would always find these extra jobs. And for whatever reason, at the time. CAA had an outside recruiter that would um, find people for jobs. And I guess because CAA is more predominantly um, in the entertainment industry, they represent, you know, pretty much all of the top actors. Um, she listed the job under entertainment jobs. So it said sports legal assistant at big agency, but it was under entertainment jobs. It wasn't under legal jobs. So someone who was just looking for legal jobs under the legal tab in Craigslist would have never seen that. And so I always kind of joke and say, you know, people say everything happens for a reason. And, you know, had I not been doing, you know, extra work and trying to find extra work, I would have never seen that job and never would have even known there was a sports legal assistant. And I mean, at that point in time, after taking the bar, not having any actual work experience, sports legal assistant was like the perfect job subject. If, you know, if I could have picked one out, that would have been what I, I wanted to find. And I found it under entertainment jobs. So, I mean, I sent my resume and met with her for coffee and then ended up meeting with the man who then became my boss. But it was just so funny that had I not been looking for entertainment-type jobs just to keep, you know, the lights on, never would have seen that job posting. Now, despite the fact that you were trying to find legal jobs and this, uh, you know, whenever we, when you told us the story, we were like, are you serious? That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Because I mean, crazy. of all the, of all the Craig listings, Craig's post listings right. that would happen. Um, but when you were searching, right. Keeping the fact mm-hmm. that you found this, uh, CA position before that, when you were searching for jobs, were you focused in on sports law or were you going to take any kind of legal job that came around? Um, I wouldn't, I don't, I didn't focus on just any legal job. Like I wouldn't have taken, you know, like a personal injury, small firm in Brooklyn or something like that. Like to me, I've never been the kind of person that wanted to just work to make money. 
I wanted to work and enjoy what I'm doing because I'd known too many people, you know, even family members growing up who worked because they had to, but hated what they did. And so, you know, I didn't want to make my search too broad. So I, I tried to focus on more, you know, entertainment sports type jobs, even firms that, you know, had divisions that focused on copyright or intellectual property or even employment contracts or that type of thing, because that all kind of falls under that umbrella of entertainment and sports. So I did, I did narrow my focus slightly, but I don't think at the time it would have mattered anyways if I did a broad search because I didn't go to a top tier law school. I wasn't in the top, you know, 5% of my class. So I was never, you know, going to be that candidate that could go and get a job anywhere she wanted anyways. Right. So, you know, I had to be select regardless because it wasn't like I had a hundred opportunities just at my door. So, no, I didn't, I didn't look for just anything. And so when you told people about your change, about your decision to kind of focus on sports law, to go that route and try to, you know, get your foot in the door somehow, some way, you're moving to New York, you're going to, take this chance, take this risk, but you're going to be happy. Right. And I, and I admire mm-hmm. you for that, but did you face any kind of pushback or negativity from those around you? Um, no, I will say I'm very fortunate that my parents were always people who supported both my brother and me supported our dreams, whatever we wanted. They were always a hundred percent behind us. Um, they were never the kind of parents who, second guess. I mean, my mom still will tell, tell me to this day that, you know, I left home at 18 and moved to New York City and she said she would cry every day for months, but she'd never tell me that she did that because she knew that's what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go and she was never going to hold me back. Wow. So I I always had that and I had my mom growing up, she was a, she's a, she's a very talented artist and her, her goal in life was always to become an artist. And she, unfortunately, was in a family who didn't have a lot of money and couldn't send her to, you know, an art school or anything. She always wanted to go to New York, and she couldn't. And so she's always said, you know, I never wanted you or, your, you know, my brother to miss out on their dreams like I, you know, kind of didn't get to try for mine. She ended up getting married and had children, and that became her life, and she's, you know, very happy with that. But I think she always regretted not following her true calling, and she didn't ever want her children to have that same experience. And my dad was the same way. I mean, I never once heard my parents tell me, you know, no, you shouldn't do that. Or even second guess, because I think we had such different experiences. They aren't lawyers. They weren't in the entertainment industry or had like the performance aspect of their life. So who were they to say, you know, that's a foolish dream? Uh, I, I think I, it's I gotta commend how your they parents. were. I mean, that's, that's yeah. not a lot of yeah, parents they, would do that. I know. Yeah, I mean, I've I've asked them that before. I'm like, you know, I haven't lived at home since I was a senior in high school. And, you know, they've never given me any grief about that, never asked me to come back home. And even as a kid, they always knew I wanted to get out of, you know, that small town Ohio life. And they were always supportive of that. So, you know, I can't thank them enough for that. And so, I mean, because of their support, because of your hard work and your persistence, you get this job with CAA. And I mean, mm-hmm. you must have been over the moon. Was it was it everything you expected, or did you have expectations? <laughs> um, I, I didn't have any expectations going in, just because that was my first, you know, legal job. I did one externship at 
Fox Studios during law school. But unfortunately, it was for someone who was an alum of my school, so they tended to hire people from my school. But then once I was there, there was basically nothing for me to do. Mm -hmm. So I would go three days a week, and I'd have some work, you know, one of those three days a week, but I really wasn't being challenged or really getting to do much. So I didn't have really any, you know, legal experience up until that point. So I didn't know what to expect. I did know that CAA was very um, big on the, you know, actor and musician side because I'd known that just from my experience in LA. Didn't know actually that they had a sports agency until I got to the, because when I got the interview, I wasn't told where it was. She kept that very private. So it wasn't until I actually got there that I, I realized, you know, oh, I'm at CAA, and I had no idea they had CAA sports. I knew of a few sports agencies, but I didn't, I wasn't familiar with CAA sports. So then I, you know, obviously when I got home, I Googled and looked at all their clients and, you know, thought, oh my God, they really rep a lot of people. So on my first day, I kind of was in that, you know, oh. who am I going to see? What am yeah. I going to do? You know, and we were, we were lucky. My office, I shared with, um, who is now one of my best friends from New York, Carly, we shared, uh, a little, it was basically an interior office. If you're in the hallway, we were on in the interior part of the hallway. So we had our own little office and we were right before the bathrooms and our floor was the main lobby floor. So anytime any celebrity came in, they'd check in on our floor and if they need to use the restroom, they'd walk down to the restroom and they'd always pass our office. And a lot of times people would turn into our office thinking they were at the end of the hall and that was the restroom. But I will say it was, it, it was fun for a while getting, you know, getting to see all these famous people. But after probably a year, a little over a year into it, I realized that, you know, there wasn't any growth for me there. I'd kind of hit my level of knowledge of what I was going to learn. And I, you know, started to get very uh, complacent in what I was doing. And that was when I was, you know, started to get that I need to move on to something else. I wasn't being challenged anymore. I was very comfortable there. I loved the people I worked with. It was a great environment, but I wanted to actually be, you know, be an attorney and really get to do more instead of just being someone's assistant. Now, is that because so, of the position you were in or just? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the way it was set up is there were four attorneys and three legal assistants who all three of us were, le we were attorneys as well. We were all barred. And so we did legal work, but we were, you know, our title was legal assistant. And there really was no growth opportunity. They, you know, with those four attorneys, they kind of handled everything that needed to be handled. And so there really wasn't an opportunity to kind of promote one of the three assistants up into another staff attorney position. And the two people that I started working with, the two assistants I started working with, they had left by the time I was there for a little over a year. So I was kind of the senior assistant at that point. And you know, it was it was very clear, not in a mean way, but it was clear that at the end of the day, there just wasn't going to be any growth for me. And we, I was making very, very little money for both New York and attorney standards that it wasn't something that I could keep working there knowing that because at some point, you know, especially when the student loans started kicking in, <laughs> it wasn't something that I could really maintain a lifestyle anymore in New York. So that also helped me kind of really focus to get out of there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure being able to juggle uh, extra work, work as extras, plus that mm -hmm. would have been kind of difficult. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was getting tight by the end there. So, so it was funny because actually my lease was going to end in July and 
I wasn't sure I was going to be able to afford to continue paying my lease. And then I actually started my current job in June. So that all worked out just in time. (laughs) So, so did you find this, uh, your current job with the NFL, a, um, no NFLA players, players association. Did you find that also in Craigslist? No. So I had up, it'd been about, I'd say seven months worth of me submitting my resume to every place I could find online, every law firm in New York, every connection I had made, you know, that cold call type of send your resume, send your cover letter, here's what I'm looking for. And of all of the months of doing that, I got one response from one law firm in New York who actually sent me a letter in the mail kindly rejecting me, which it That's was nice actually to get impressive. something. Yeah. 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 I thought, okay. And then one of the attorneys, the way it was set up, we had the four attorneys and they kind of each dealt with a different sport. My boss was baseball. So I dealt with mostly baseball stuff when I was there and also coaches. And then there was a basketball attorney, a football attorney and a soccer attorney. And so the football attorney, he was from Ohio and, you know, we had that connection and we'd chat every now and then, but he wasn't someone I actually ever worked with just kind of in the same department. And he stopped by my office one day and said, you know, Hey, there's this position that's being, you know, opening up at the NFLPA. He's like, you know, would you want me to submit your resume? And I thought, yeah, of course, at that point I'd been submitting my resume everywhere. So why not NFLPA? Sure. So he, I, you know, I, sent in my resume and about a week later he came by my office and said, Hey, I think you're going to get a phone call from HR, like do the phone interview. And I thought, Oh, that's awesome. So I get online and Google the offices to see where there are. Cause I'm trying to plan out, you know, at my lunch break, if I can go, if I have to do an interview only then did I realize the NFLPA was in Washington, DC. <laughs> the NFL, the NFL is in New York, but I just assumed knowing the NFL was in New York, the NFLPA would be in New York as well. So I had the phone interview and then she's like, great, we'd love you to come down. And then had to, you know, take a sick day the first time to take the bus down to D.C. Then I had to go down for another round of interviews. Ended up telling my boss at that point that I had an interview but didn't tell him where because I'm one of those people I don't want to jinx anything. And so I didn't want to kind of put it out there before anything was official. So I just, you know, I took the day, told him I had an interview, I'd be back and then it was a maybe a week and a half later that I finally got the call that I got the job. And at that point, it was a Friday night. All of the higher-ups, you know, the agents and the executives at CA on a Friday night at 7 o'clock are gone. So it was me and maybe four or five assistants. And I get the call, and my office mate was already gone. And so these assistants that I barely know because the turnover is so great at CA, so it's always new people. And I'm, you know, screaming in the office. I'm jumping up and down, and these people are looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, never mind. I just have to like call my family. I'm like, no one understands. So, but yeah, so just from, and I can't thank him enough. And I've seen him multiple times since at events and, you know, at Super Bowl, I've seen him and he, he's somebody that I will always be grateful for because like I said, he wasn't someone I worked with or for, um, he worked in the department, but I never actually worked with him. And he went out of his way to, you know, send my resume and put in a good word for me. And, you know, I, I, I think that held some weight and, you know, I, I will for always, you know, always be indebted to him for that. Cause just for someone who got in his way, where in comparison, my own boss didn't at all. So right. it was just refreshing to see someone who didn't have to do anything at all for me actually take the time to, you know, reach out to me and submit my resume. So, and, 
even was, more so, did he know that you were looking? No, he didn't particularly know I was looking, but given the environment where the assistants, we had no growth, it was kind of like a known thing within the department that once you hit that year mark, you start looking. So he, he knew that I had been looking. And so I think he was just that, that the job came to him and they were reaching out just internally to internally internal people that they knew. And he used to work at the NFLPA for about 10 years before he went to CAA. So they'd reached out just internally. So I think having just known that, you know, like I said, I was the only one of the original three when I started that was still there. They'd both moved on to other jobs. So I think I'm guessing he just knew, Oh, I'm sure she's looking. And that's why I said, Hey, there's this job. Do you want me to submit? And I said, yeah, of course. That's even more, that's, that's even cooler of him to do that. Yeah. And like I said, knowing that my own boss that I was working for didn't make any effort for anything, which was a little sad, but I think it was more of we were so comfortable with each other and we had such a good working relationship that he didn't want to lose that. And so I think he kind of held on to me longer than he probably should have just for his own, you know, comfort level. But yeah, so I, I mean, just to know that someone would go out of their way to do that when he has no need whatsoever was, you know, I will forever be grateful for him. Oh, absolutely. I I totally understand that. You get to DC, which by the way, welcome to DC. Thank you. Yes. Love it. You've pretty much adopted DC because you've really embraced the nation's capital. Mm -hmm. I think you've seen more of DC (laughs) than I have. And I've lived in Maryland pretty much next to DC much longer, years longer than you have. Yeah. And it's funny because when I was a kid for about 10 or 11 years in a row, we used to come to DC every Easter for the Easter egg roll Mm -hmm. to the point where my brother and I hated coming to DC because you can only do the Easter egg roll so many times. And the older you get, the less exciting it was. And we would really, you know, be like, Oh, do we have to go there again? So if I went back and told my 10-year-old self, like, hey, this is where you're going to end up someday, I would have told you you were crazy. But, yeah, once I got here, I mean, I love it. It's still enough of this city. Like, I live in a nice, you know, 10-story apartment building. I don't have a car. I walk everywhere. I take public transport. But then with Georgetown and the waterfront, like, I get that little bit of, you know, smaller town vibe that, you know, it's enough that I'm not in that constant, like, concrete jungle of New York. Right. And, hey, if you ever want to go to New York, it's... A quick train yeah, oh, ride or so China easy. bus yeah. up. Yep. Yeah, I've been many times. and I mean, even the Bolt bus round trip's about $26, so you can't beat that. No, there's like a, a Chinatown bus, a mega bus, a Bolt bus, a train. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, like so there's many plenty. ways to get there. Mm-hmm. And so you're happy now, right? You're doing the thing yes. you love. You're doing sports, sports law. You're doing the Super mm-hmm. Bowl in a few weeks. You do a number of events with the NFLPA. Can you quickly explain for, for anyone not familiar with the uh, NFLPA what it is? Mm-hmm. So the National Football Players, well, I could start that over again. National Football League Players Association is what the NFLPA stands for, and it is the labor union for all active NFL players. So that's why we're in D.C., because all you know labor unions are here for the lobbying and the, you know, government aspect of things. And then there's a subsidiary of the NFLPA called NFL Players Incorporated, which is the licensing and marketing subsidiary of the NFLPA, still under the NFLPA umbrella, but part of, you know, a, 
a subsidiary of the company, and that's actually where I'm at. We're all in the same building, we're all on the same floors, but we're kind of that for-profit side of the union. And I am corporate counsel in that Players, Inc. division. And basically what we do is it's, we have what are called group player rights, that any time six or more active NFL players are used in any type of commercial or promotional aspect, that company needs a group license from the NFLPA. And every player, when they join the league, they sign over what's called their group licensing rights to us, whether that's on an actual form that we have or it's also built into their player contract with their club. And so that they basically sign over those rights that we can use those group player rights in anything from jerseys to trading cards to video games, bobbleheads, T-shirts, you name it. Anytime guys are all used in the same type of context where it's not a personal endorsement, the guy's not required to be in a commercial or perform any services. It's kind of just across the board, everyone's being used the same way. And then quarterly, every football player gets a check from that group rights royalty pool. So I, you know, I love that aspect that the number 53 guy on the roster is getting the same amount every quarter as, you know, the Peyton Manning and the Tom Brady from our licensing program. Now, mind you, Manning and Peyton are getting, or Manning and Brady are getting millions, millions more in their individual endorsement agreements they do on their own. But it's nice to see that there's a program where, you know, even the little guy that you and I and probably 90% of the population can't tell you their names they're still getting recognized and getting something for the work that, you know, we do for them. That's really cool. I had no idea that that kind of thing was even out there. Yep. So basically anytime you see six or more players, you're, you'll, you'll see the NFLPA logo whenever you're watching games and you see, you know, the Verizon commercials, the Madden commercials, the Bose commercials. If you start to look and I only noticed it once I got my job, you'll see the little NFLPA logo somewhere in the commercial. And that's because it kind of falls under that group licensing, right? So, yeah, and that's how basically, you know, we make the money that then supports the union and pays, you know, for anything that the union does for the players. If there's a lockout again, that money is what, you know, keeps the players afloat and keeps them paid and keeps, you know, their families surviving while that lockout's happening. And, you know, it's 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 a nice thing, even though we're making all this money and it's for these stupid products, you know, it's a bobblehead who needs that knowing that it's going towards the union and all the good the union does for these guys is, you know, it makes, it makes you feel good at the end of the day. You're not just making people, you know, rich people richer. You're actually doing something that's helping them. No, totally. And you're doing something you love. So I, I, I'm so stoked that you've, you're kind of in this place where you're doing what you love and you're also uh, embracing life because guys, there is no one I know who travels more than this girl. <laughs> Yes, I try. And funny, I was I was home for Christmas, and some of my relatives that I, you know, basically just see at Christmas, they were asking me, you know, where are you going next? And then I was telling them, and then they said, okay, but when do you actually work? And I said, well, that's the funny thing. I, in 2015, every trip I took, I took around holidays. So whether that was New Year's, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day, Thanksgiving, I try to plan my holidays around when I have vacation, you know, days anyways, so that I don't need to use actual vacation days, or if I do, I only use a few. So it's very, I find it very easy to travel if you pick your time you travel appropriately. Genius. Genius. Because yes, if I'm out of the country, you know, I was in Asia over Thanksgiving, and because I'm, I'm pretty much the only attorney on my side that's doing these contracts, so when I, there's a lot of 
attorneys on the union side for the labor relations aspect of the union, but I'm kind of, you know, by myself downstairs. And if I'm not there, there's no one to answer those questions. So I, I try to pick my vacation when I know that no one's going to be there as well, or that, you know, there won't be a lot of issues going on. Like January is definitely out. There's no traveling during Super Bowl prep. That would never happen. I'd, I'd probably not have my job if I said I was leaving the country. Yeah, I'm so pretty sure that's what it's, it's would all happen about, too. Yeah, it's all about balance. But traveling is something that I thoroughly enjoy, and there's so many countries in the world left to see. So I, I try to see as many as I can while I can. To date, what is the most memorable place you visited? I, I, I would say China. I still, I've been to five different parts of China now, and I, I just love visiting China. I, you know, I'm a blonde, white hair, blue eyed girl. I, when I'm in China, I'm, you know, the only one of me that I see and I'm fully engrossed in a completely different culture. I'm experiencing things I will, you know, never experienced where I grew up, the food. Like, I just love being somewhere where I completely feel like I'm in a different world and I can just experience things that there's no other time in my life I get those experiences. I try to, you know, learn a few phrases in every language of a country I go to and just, I try not to be the typical American tourist that speaks English and only wants to do, you know, the safe touristy things. I try to really, really explore and I feel like Asia, there's just so much culture and history in Asia and I just, I really love going to China. So that's... I just I just got back from there and over Thanksgiving and that was the second time I've been to China and I just I love visiting there. You guys have to keep an eye out on her. She's going to be doing some big things in the years to come. Yes, this year alone I have Iceland, Brazil, Poland, and Greece. See, so if I'm not traveling internationally, at least twice a year I get very antsy. But see, this is exactly why I wanted you on the show, because not only career-wise, but in life, you're doing something you love, and you're finding a way to make it happen, and that's awesome. I will say, my favorite movie ever since I was a kid, and I don't know what this says about me as a kid, because it's pretty gruesome at parts, is Braveheart. And the one line from Braveheart that I've kind of made my life motto, and I you know, try to live up to, is you know, when he's dying, he says, you know, the, someone sad, he's dying, and he said, every man dies, not every man really lives. And I kind of have made that my, you know, my life motto that we're all going to die someday, but we don't all live life to the fullest. So while I can, I'm going to because I never know when it's going to end, so I'm going to enjoy it while I got it. I love that. I adore that. That is awesome. So, Caroline, before we actually go and let you have your the rest of your night back to back um we try to do a little your corner where i ask you what is one thing resource quote uh book advice you would give to another dream chaser who is trying to chase their dreams i think the biggest thing i could tell anyone and we kind of touched on it during this is if you know in your heart what you want to do you have to do whatever you can to do it i mean like we said my parents never stopped me from leaving home I moved to California not knowing anyone. I moved to New York not knowing anyone. And while, yes, that's scary, I knew ultimately what I wanted to do. And, you know, if you don't try, you'll never know. So I think, you know, there's a lot of people who have dreams but don't have the courage to chase them. And, you know, I love your podcast, you know, entitled Chasing Dreams because 
they're your dreams for a reason. You can't explain why something makes you happy or why you have that innate need to do something. It's because that's you and that's what you like and you need to do it. So, you know, don't let anyone stop you and don't get discouraged because there will be plenty of times in life where things don't turn out you want the way you want, but you got to just stay focused and, you know, just keep trying. I can't so say it my... any better than that. <laughs> that's my advice. I know it sounds like a bumper sticker, but no. it's your dream. No one, no one else can tell you what to dream or take your dream away from you. It's yours. And if you don't chase it, no one's going to for you. All right. That's it. Mic drop. We're done. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Now it's time for Clemson to win that national championship. <laughs> so anyone about, by the time this airs, it will already have been done. So hopefully Clemson has the title. <laughs> well, thanks Caroline for coming on and uh, sharing your story and also for encouraging others. Cause uh, I think you're doing amazing things. Can't wait to see what else you got up your sleeve. Thank you. And I'm so proud of you that you are chasing your dreams and congrats on such a great podcast. Thank you once again to Caroline for coming onto the show and sharing her dream chase story. I am so proud of her because she has worked hard for day in, day out to make her dreams come true. And today she's working for an organization she loves and she is also traveling and living without regret. This is all I want for you guys. I want you to live without regret like Caroline. So use her as an inspiration. Be sure to check out the show notes page at ChasingDreamsHQ.com slash episode 27. That's episode 27. And until next time, Dream Chasers, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at ChasingDreamsHQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's aimeej one Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.